0: Welcome to another episode of Dying for Midnight, DFM. Be mindful of your surroundings while tuning in. There might be a fellow listener, and they're a lot closer than you think. Go ahead, make my day. (laughs) Welcome back, DFM fam, to another episode. This week in episode 40, aptly named, Sometimes You Dig Too Deep, we are chatting about, let me get into the appropriate tone here, an incredible story. This story we're about to talk about is true, and where it happened, and how it happened, Carrie, well... Only the names have been changed. What place am I talking about? Well, Texarkana looked normal during the daylight hours, but everyone dreaded sundown. And when the sun went down, there was an eerie, ghostly appearance to this town. Anyways, Carrie, what is the name of this docky horror that did just so-so at the box office but was a popular drive-in movie in 1977 and is still a popular drive-in movie if you could catch it anywhere
1: the town that dreaded sundown
0: <sighs> and it's mid-november and when we inch closer to winter like we are right now i too am dreading sundown <laughs> <laughs> I I'd really like to see this at a drive-in carry. I I love this movie. Um, or maybe like, you know, the Mahoning um Maybe an old place like the colonial out in Phoenixville, Pennsylvania Anyways, I I love the narrator in this film and if you heard me talking that was my take on the opening narration of this docu-horror we've I, I love the fact that we've got this documentary element to yeah. the town that dreaded sundown this 1976 mm-hmm. film Just remember, dear listener, Texarkana, Arkansas. We've got twin cities on either side of a border Texas, Arkansas, but we're specifically focused on Arkansas. Post World War II, Texarkana to be exact. And we are going to lean on the sources provided to us by the historians in Arkansas as it relates to the movie and the subject of the town that dreaded sundown is the real life murders dubbed the texarkana moonlight murders and i'm sure a lot of you horror hounds are also like us are into true detectives um detective work (laughs) not just the detectives themselves the victims the victims families the cases themselves this one in particular along with a even more famous one from the late 60s and 70s have both gone unsolved Yeah, the fate of the killer the identity of the killer is still one big question mark here and for that other guy on the west coast um, I'd have to imagine now that both of these individuals are probably long passed on maybe maybe Mm. There's that small percentage yeah. that I keep reading about. We have to be, well, especially that other guy we'll talk about later over in San Fran. But um, five people in Texarkana were killed in total between February 22nd, 1946 and May 3rd, 1947. Two double murders and a single mort- mortar. Murder. I can't even talk people it's been a long day listen we're not gonna even though we love true detective cases we like the Al Bundys and we're fascinated by them Um, I don't like Al Bundy Carrie don't give me that look okay you know what I mean
1: (laughs) you mean Ted Bundy
0: did I literally just say Al Bundy (laughs)
1: yeah that's why I gave you the look like
2: (laughs) god damn it Peg there's a body on the floor (laughs)
0: i'm ready i'm ready for kelly to walk in and the crowd starts whistling here oh my word (laughs) you know what you know what he kills somebody and then he gets on that couch and sticks his hand halfway down his belt but um there's listen guys we're not gonna again what i was trying to say before i started talking married with children apparently (laughs) was that we're not going to play a true detective here. We're not going to get into the Rustin Cole Marty thing from the HBO show that we all enjoyed. Just know that if you're not already familiar with the Texarkana murders, the Phantom Killer is what he was dubbed. Um, throughout this time frame in the 40s, hundreds of suspects were arrested. I'm not going to start naming names because it was never proved. We're going to deal with the facts that we do know. And also, we're a horror movie review pod. We are not a true detective pod. Nope. Okay. Oh, you know what other one that was more recent? The Golden State Killer. That Ooh. one was actually solved. And man, yeah. I talked with a former co-worker. Shout out to you, Matt, if you happen to be listening someday. About the Golden State Killer. He was from California, Matt. Mm-hmm. And... We had talked about it for a good six months leading up. So that was the only time in my life that I had actively discussed like water cooler talk about a serial killer Yeah, about slayings and gosh, anyways, don't hit the xylophone. I'm not going to go on a golden state rant, okay. but, but listen, the facts as it relates to the phantom killer, hundreds of suspects. There are two particular suspects that people lean on when you discuss the phantom killer. Some suspects committed suicide. Well, supposed suspects. One person had claimed they had a fugue state. We know what fugue state means. If you, if you White. watched, yeah, Breaking Bad <laughs> and, and turned himself in and makes false claims, which they kind of had a wink to that. That happened in the town that dreaded sundown. Yeah, this person turned themselves in there's a supposed speculated sixth victim and this will make you get goosebumps that was either the phantom killer himself and killed himself by tossing himself in front of a train with arms and legs severed or as what the coroner or excuse me how the coroner put it killed by persons unknown They couldn't determine if he killed himself or if somebody else did it to him Mm. there was even a saxophone That was evidence that went missing a little further away from Texarkana Arkansas, Arkansas, better start drinking that wine. There was a saxophone peddler went to turn in a saxophone in, in Corpus Christi. They were a little curious about this guy and he got antsy and fled later on. The police tried tracking him down. They did discover his hotel room and he had a bag of bloody clothing found in his room. However, the real saxophone was eventually found. We could go on about a hitchhiker that made claims, a German POW, a local that failed a polygraph test with a pseudonym, and a would-be racist that made claims to be the killer. Excuse me, rapist. Yes. He probably was a racist, maybe, is my guess. (laughs) (laughs) Who knows? um i don't know too many i do know that the zodiac killer supposedly is a racist so anyways i don't know any super nice non-bigoted serial killers so hey maybe maybe ted bundy or al bundy are the exception <clears throat> I told I you it's been a long day. I we've know. got we've got Al Bundy and bigoted serial killers in this podcast. So apologies, <laughs> folks. Let me take a sip of that wine before I go. Maybe if I start drinking, maybe you'll... I'll be more accurate with what I'm saying here. Probably not. <laughs> like I said, we're going to rely on facts. We are going to use the official encyclopedia of Arkansas. And yes, you can Google that. That's a thing. This town, the dreaded sundown carry, this 90-minute movie, its real-life world premiere was held in Texarkana on December 17th, 1976, in advance of a standard theatrical run beginning December 24th. And yeah, we're a couple years before that very famous slasher by Mr. John Carpenter Halloween. Um, I'm not sure I agree with what is found in the Arkansas Encyclopedia, that this is one of the earliest slashers ever. There's plenty that took place in the 60s, but more on that another time. Fast forward to today, or at least in the 21st century, there's a tradition that began in 2003, a free screening of The Town That Dreaded Sundown. And no, we have not watched the remake, or was it sequel, or was it a requel? We'll get to that another time. The Town That Dreaded Sundown is held each October near Halloween by the Texas Department of Parks and Recreation at Spring Lake Park in Texarkana, Texas. Now, this remake or requel or sequel, this 2014 movie um, centers upon the recurrence of murders in Texarkana some 60 odd years later after the moonlight murders that are discussed and shown in this movie. Yes, the action in the movie starts at a drive-in screening of Charles Pierce, the creator of this film, within that film and features a cameo by Pierce himself as well as his fictional son. Um, Not everybody is a fan of the O-14 remake. I'm going to withhold judgment. We haven't watched it. Apparently, it's very metatextual. And we tend to enjoy that stuff, Carrie. We'll have to check it out sometime because I know we like a lot of that stuff. Kind of, yeah, we kind of like the meta stuff within Scream, um, the stab movies within the movie. Mm -hmm. So, anyways, we're gonna move right along, guys, and talk about the town the dreaded Sundown, nineteen seventy six, and we're gonna start right off like we usually do, talking about this movie poster and tagline that. Kind of gives me the chills, Carrie, just looking at it. And of course, if you look at this movie, the very first thing you're going to notice is that this looks like somebody a little bit more recent. And we'll talk about that in a little Mm bit. Um, Another killer, a fictional killer, Carrie, the poster, the tagline. Let me say something about the tagline before I move on because I think this is important. (laughs) We'll come back to our friends at the Official Encyclopedia of Arkansas the tagline for the movie poster stated, In 1946, this man killed five people. Today, he lurks the streets of Texarkana, Arkansas. Now, according to the encyclopedia, at the time of a release, nervous city officials threatened a lawsuit to remove the offending line. Director Charles Pierce was said to work with the distributor of American International Pictures to remove the reference to the killer in this tagline. That's according to the movie and they really feature this heavily in the opening closing that he's still out there. Um, be that as it may, the line, the tagline, that part of it remains on this poster and all the physical media to this day. Now, Carrie tell us there's, there's that tagline that caused ruffled a few feathers. What are a couple of additional taglines?
1: Not everyone who comes to this lover's lane has the same thing on their mind.
0: (laughs) Some people express their sexual feelings in a psychotic, murderous way. (laughs)
1: Apparently.
0: I like this next one. I like the simplicity and the alliteration.
1: A true tell of Texarkana terror. That rolls
0: off the tongue very nicely way better than al bundy killing people does (laughs) so so i do have a shade if we're talking about the main tagline i do have a shade of an issue about the threatening manner of the tagline saying that he still lurks is exploitative in nature but it does have the intended effect i mean look he was never technically apprehended at the time of the investigations and um oh wait you know what Carrie, let's... But before we keep going on about the tagline, come here, Meryl. mare. He's not a horse. (laughs) Come here. I'm sorry, you're not a horse. (sighs) Come here. Let's see what Jake the Midnight Traveler has to say about the town that
2: dreaded sundown. Case and Carrie. Moonlight murders, cross-dressing, trombone-assisted homicide, and Marianne gets shot in the face? Are you sure this thing is real? Well, howdy, my hordes of horror hombres. Once again, it's yours truly, Jake, a.k.a. The Midnight Traveler, here again to tell another torrid tale of terror told in twilight. And boy, do we ever have a doozy here. Tonight, we have another first for you here at Dying for Midnight. Now, of all the films that we've covered thus far... This is the first that was genuinely based on actual events, and the 1st don't end there. The word duality is defined as an instance of opposition or contrast between two concepts or two aspects of something, a dualism. So in other words, it's kind of when something is a little bit of one thing and a little bit of something else. Much like the town of Texarkana itself, which serves as the setting for tonight's feature, or as it is known by the other name, The Town That Dreaded Sundown. Grab your loved one, hold them close, and lock all of your doors and fine dresses as we go down the rabbit hole that takes us into the genuinely unique world of writer-director Charles B. Pierce. It was sometime, I guess in my 20s, when I found myself taking advantage of my parents' digital cable and the gift of humanity that was video on demand. Countless films were now there for me to take in, and this was one of them. With the video store now sadly a thing of the past, this was the next best thing, as I could stop and start whatever and whenever I wanted And one late summer night, I took the trip into this truly one-of-a-kind movie. As previously stated, this film is based around the real-life events of the Texarkana Moonlight Murders, which occurred in Texarkana, Texas and Texarkana, Arkansas in the winter and spring of 1946. And it's presented in both a straightforward, dramatic narrative... In a pseudo-documentary with a booming voiceover from Vern Steyrman, with uh, starring roles from actors like such as Academy Award winner Ben Johnson, Andrew Prine, Dawn Wells, Marianne from Gilligan's Island, for those of you not in the know, and strangely, writer-director Charles B. Pierce himself as the quote unquote comic relief of all things. Like I said, duality is the name of the game here, and for once, it pays off in dividends. The plot is simple. Uh, A masked man is stalking and killing mainly couples in parked cars late at night, and the town is on edge as there's little evidence other than the bodies that left behind themselves. Couple that footage with the voiceovers, and it gives this film documentary feeling that you may be possibly seeing actual crime footage. At least that's the vibe I kind of got from it. Well, not too much with that, but that's just what this film kind of does. It takes you out of one thing into something else just enough to kind of rattle you. You think you're watching one movie one moment? Then it shifts a little bit, and you're almost certain you're watching something else. In my travels, I have found myself in the real-life Texarkana as I headed to the west. When I reached my eventual destination and settled into my new city, I explored everything voraciously. And One place that I visited in particular was End of Veneer Records, located in the south end of Austin. Gentrification, and the leakiest roof in the state, pushed this business further away from the city into newer digs, which did kill a lot of its bohemian vibe, but did leave it with much more poster space to show off its vintage collection. Now, the poster that stood there the longest behind the register and was turned down several times for purchase by the owner, I may add, Was the poster for this film. Boy, what a work of art. Striking, with a blue sky with a three tone sunset at the top and the small town horizon on the bottom, it was centered with the haunting image of the hooded faced killer. Two lone black holes for the eyes and a rope around the collar to keep it on. And boy, did it just look. Terrifying. No expression, just a malicious shape that was slightly looking down at the town below as if it were its prey. In the film, it's even worse. It was so simple, yet so effective, as the only thing that you could really catch on the face of the killer were its crazed eyes as it took out each of its victims. Pierce really knew what he was doing when he shot these scenes, as they're all very effective. And a few close-ups here and there really, really, really pushed the point home. The look of the killer here was so simple and effective that it was borrowed five years later for Friday the 13th Part 2. Hey, when a movie I love rips off another movie I love, everybody wins. Now, the one kill that everyone seems to talk about, and deservedly so, is when poor Peggy Loomis is tied to a tree by the killer, now known as the Phantom, who ties a knife to the end of Peggy's trombone and stabs the poor girl to death with it while sliding it back and forth into her body as if he was playing it. It's so genuinely sadistic and strange at the same time. I was kind of speechless as I took this all in. I'd seen hundreds of horror films at this point, and there was plenty in this film that I'd seen before, but the way all the elements were combined here stunned me. This kill was horrid, yet kind of funny at the same time. And what the hell is this? You have Patrolman Benson dressing in drag and losing his shit when some people call the station, and he's played by the creator of the film? It's a shame that Charles B. Pierce didn't do too much after this. The man was unique in all the ways one should be when it comes to filmmaking. His entire approach of mixing a bunch of familiar things up and reassembling them and turning it all into something completely new and different was and still kind of is ahead of its time. He only did a small handful of his own features after this, but I think it should have been a whole lot more. Off the top of my head, I can't really think of another director quite like him. And the weirdest part to me is that even with all of these strange random things that make up this picture... I can't think of anything else that I would change. Somehow, all of these pieces work against all odds and work together marvelously. Trust me when I say this, you haven't really seen a movie that's quite like this one. I've seen over 4,000 of them at this point And I've yet to find one that hits all the notes that this one does in such a fine way. Well, alas, much like the town with two states, I do dread some of the actions of the sun. Whereas they fear its departure, I fear its return, and it looks like it's on its way back now. So I think I will leave you here. As for me, I think I will head into town to take in the earlier morning show at the Cineplex. Last time I was there, I was standing behind some dude who passed out in a seat who smelled like a damn swamp. Looked like he actually wasn't breathing after a while. Hopefully somebody did something about that. See you next midnight, Jake. So Jake and I were
0: talking a little bit earlier today before we recorded about our thoughts about this movie. And um, I I think we're on the same page with the cast with the handling real subject matter and being sensitive De- with it delicate subject yes, matter very that's, delicate that's, subject matter yeah. so carrie what are your thoughts we'll round out the tagline discussion here before we move on to our own little fun taglines um you had something that you wanted to say about the original tagline
1: well i i mean
0: you kind of yeah, just said it, I, I guess. I
1: kind of just said it. It's it's very delicate, sensitive nature. Uh, you have this movie. It's based on a real event with real people that were murdered. So you do have to pay respect to those people that lost their lives and their families. Yeah. So and I think the movie does that, it balances being a movie about the subject matter.
0: Well, this is... Um... This episode is actually reminding me of when we did our Watcher episode, Mm -hmm. in a way, with uh, Micah Monroe, and um, I'm going to forget his name, is a Ben Gorman? Yes. Who who plays the spider, the the serial killer in that movie. Now, that's fictitious.
1: Right. Thankfully. I, I,
0: I have a hard time cracking any jokes in this episode. No, it doesn't feel right. I mean, I might slip up and say stupid things like Al Bundy's hiding bodies and married with children. But no, not like this is um, it's we'll talk about some of the, the characters. This film's got a lot of character to it, despite the heavy subject matter. Yeah, there's not too many films that can have the subject matter and still make you chuckle. This one does. But you've got a really good point. And I actually think our alternate taglines reflect the seriousness of the subject matter. What's your alternate tagline, Carrie, for The Town That Dreaded Sundown?
1: If you go out at night, don't go alone.
0: You could say that for the watcher.
1: Yeah, you could. I, I'm,
0: I'm getting very much, <clears throat> excuse me, getting the same vibes. You know, last week when we talked the last horror film, this wine started choking me up, and now it's doing the same damn thing. I'm going to start joking about the wine if I can't joke about anything else. But are you trying... Carrie, is there something you need to share with me? Do you have a double life going on? Is there poison in this wine?
1: No, here, I'll take a drink to prove it.
0: (laughs) Oh, no, all of a sudden I feel (laughs) fine. I don't feel like sharing. Or wait a second, maybe there's Iocane powder in this wine.
1: Maybe I'm immune to the Iocane powder. (laughs) Inconceivable.
0: Now you're making me feel like so pressured to give you this wine. Listen, she's drinking a name brand root beer, so that won't mix well with the wine. Trust me on this one. You don't want any of this wine.
1: I will cleanse my palate with
0: water. While you're cleansing your palate, I'll start with my alternate tagline now. I guess we can find a way to laugh in this episode, but it's grab your gun, latch your windows, lock your doors pray that they catch the phantom killer
1: that's a good one
0: you know i always got to go a little long with mine what is your favorite thing we've talked tagline carrie take this sip of wine and tell me what's your favorite thing about the poster i mean you but you and i both kind of said you wouldn't change anything but what do you like about it quite um
1: it's i like the colors on it yeah Yeah, it, it sets the tone of the movie yeah I mean, you know something bad is going to happen, and that there's a killer on the loose, and you have the detectives trying to find the what was the
0: word you used earlier to describe this the poster?
1: I said ominous, oh, you did yeah, sorry, I didn't hear it. yeah, yeah, okay,
0: I... yeah, that's that look of it, so it portrays dusk. It portrays sundown. It portrays the twilight hour. It's telling you to get inside.
1: And even when you are inside, you're still not safe, apparently. Yeah,
0: I I actually would have liked to have seen an illustrated commission um, of this. I think that would have been really cool. Like, I get that we're dealing with real people, but can you imagine, like, um, some of those horror movies? Like, think think about, like, um, what are some really good illustrated... Horror movies like physical media, like even um, like creep shows got great yeah. illustrations, like great. Um, there's a lot of them now that come out like how about the Halloween illustrated ones that come out on DVD? The what is it? The shout or scream factory special yeah. edition for Halloween. They're like the, the
1: posters that the they, posters yeah. that come out
0: with look how nice those are. If they would have done that for this, I think it would look really good.
1: I would like a thing poster. Yeah, that would make a really we should good put illustration. One down here
0: we should put one although we said we were going to do a big trouble in little china poster yeah. down here in the DFM vault yeah. no matter but i i do believe that charles pierce and the other detective should be featured on here yeah across the bottom not just ben johnson i mean i know this is the ben johnson featured movie they put his face on this poster at the bottom left starring ben johnson that's the selling point for this film but given that um you okay yeah look like something's gonna happen over here no,
1: just...
0: what more wine what's going on you're looking at me quizzically here oh oh yeah well apparently at some point folks i splashed wine up against the wall behind me <laughs> that'll come out but no seriously carrie i i do i would instead of they do this with horror movies a lot where they kind of put the town or the cityscape behind an ominous (laughs) picture as you say it of the killer um i actually would have liked a picture of the real lovers lane over like a pin on a map of Texarkana. that would have been that's how that's what i would have done just a little bit differently a tweak love i love the look of the killer um And it, well, let me say this before I get, before I go any further. It's very obvious mm-hmm. that Friday the Thirteenth Part Two. I mean, you all are waiting for us to say this. Yeah. Those of you familiar are F thirteen fans and a fan of this film, you know where that Jason Jason's initial look. The people call it the potato sack look. Some yeah. people say the burlap sack, whatever that may be. The sack, just sack. the sack look. Yeah. Um moving right along folks the physical media and streaming if you are looking for the town that dreaded sundown blu-ray 21.99 it's not a bad price okay here's what i would go for though guys don't just get that or the dvd spend only 13.49 and you get the blu-ray dvd combo pack
1: oh yeah that's okay? that's
0: any Anytime weird, there's a multi format it's usually a little cheaper go yeah. for that one Okay, I wonder if Christmas there's a wider distribution. Christmas is around the corner, Carrie. That's a good price for a Blu-ray. Um, but, uh, anyways, th- yeah, guys. As far as streaming, it's on Freebie. it's on Pluto, it's on Tubi. If you got a Prime account, you can get this movie. It's widely available. I recall learning about this movie in college. I was looking up the um, the Zodiac killers i'm like oh what is this texarcana killer at that point the dvd was very hard to find and i'm like what is this guy that looks like jason with a sack on his head what is this all about oh this is actually free <laughs> um or excuse me not free this is actually real um real killings this isn't fictitious Voorhees killings. so we're gonna start talking about the cast here just i'm just gonna do something very quick and easy you guys can check them out on imdb or your favorite thing google it but this is about this is about ben johnson outside of that andrew prine deputy norman ramsey he's the next most prolific character outside of that he's the one that chases down the suspect um goes down that lover's lane path that actually is really creepy by the way um Let's just talk about kind of DFM's favorite Ben Johnson career moments. I had to throw some of these on here for your benefit, (laughs) Carrie. Um, Yeah, Ben Johnson, he was mostly known for The Last Picture Show, The Wild Bunch, The Getaway, and Bite the Bullet. Some of our faves. You wouldn't have written this down, Carrie, but this is an ode to your dad. It is. Multiple episodes were Ben Johnson on Gunsmoke, The Virginian, bonanza
1: and i bet you my father can tell you each one of those episodes and go in detail about their care his character
0: your dad would be like yeah i know who ben johnson is i guarantee you um he was marshal dave bliss and Hang 'em high that's actually the first place i ever saw him um he is karn and terror train he's one of the conductor dudes okay uh we need to show zombie toots and ghostly puppers terror train yeah They were very, very... uh, They love Horror Express, and they loved... They only saw a little smidge of Beyond the Door 3. But they were like, I like the idea of horror on a train. We do need more train horror.
1: Yeah, they they need to see how.
0: I I won't put you people through a train horror month. Okay, we won't do that. (laughs) There's enough out there. But um, we do need more. I know I just contradicted myself. But Mr. Mason, probably the most... uh, repetitiveness i've gotten from ben johnson is my repeat viewings of red dawn (laughs) you're welcome carrie so hey carrie what movie we were just talking about he played six finger jake and i love this
1: movie yeah
0: cherry 2000
1: i remember (laughs) watching this movie with my dad cherry 2000
0: I just remember them being on that big magnetic thing the cars growing across yep. the ravine and bazookas being shot. Yeah. It's insane. That is a crazy movie. In
1: the factory movie. scene. Oh my god, uh, that's
0: it's such a zany movie but it, it works really it's well. It's fun. It's a yeah. fun.
1: That's a good driving movie.
0: Yeah. I agree. Oh, that that's a I would I would like to see that on the last drive in. Um and if you were like me, you grew up with like all the sports movies like um <laughs> rookie of the year or major league. There was another one with Tony Danza called angels in the outfield. He played Hank Murphy in that movie. So lots of love for Ben Johnson. And he kind of does have the same twangy accent and everything he does, but it's like, Oh, it's Ben Johnson. What's not to love creator. Let's talk about the director, Charles Pierce. You guys know him. He is a pioneer of found footage film. People think Blair Witch Project. They started it wrong in the 1970s. He's the creator of The Legend of Boggy Creek. And of course this one, but he is actually my favorite character here in this movie. Um, And I'll talk about his character in a little bit. It's my favorite dialogue from the whole film, and it's actually funny dialogue. Uh, You wouldn't think that that would be taking place in this movie, but there are some you said it perfectly, Carrie. Barney Fife moments in yes. this movie with Charles.
1: And it's very purposeful because of the subject yeah. matter. You can tell what they were trying to do. Bring some lightheartedness. Bring some lightheartedness. To, bre- break, yeah. this,
0: break the somberness of, yeah. of what's going on. So that moves us right along into fairer character. As I said, it's Charles Pierce's um, character patrolman, A.C. Benson, for me. He's like a lighthearted ray of light in otherwise serious movies, we started to say. Carrie... What what's your choice here? I think it's it, an easy one.
1: It's Ben Johnson as the Texas Ranger. I mean, just him reacting with Charles Pierce's character. Actually, that interaction itself is it's insane. Yeah, and I love it.
0: Yeah. So, um, yeah, the Ben Johnson is the Texas Ranger. Any time a movie features a Texas Ranger character, you know you're going to get like a lot of one liners. Mm-hmm. Or they're going to have some kind of cool gun. Or it's like, oh, Texas Rangers are a part of this now. Um, favorite line or dialogue? <laughs> uh, I'm going with dialogue here, people. Okay. Uh, of course, honorable mention to the narrator. The, the narrator in this movie really helps set the tone. Really creeps me the hell out, too. <laughs> um we're going to go with the very small side character we've got sergeant mal griffin who's trying to bait the killer griffin and my favorite character benson are stationed on a lonely roll rolled road let me drink that wine (laughs) in a car late at night and benson is cross-dressed as a woman because they're trying to tease out the phantom killer um (laughs) he's sitting there He's in he's in character. Oh, Sparky. Oh, Sparky. And he reaches over and t- touches Benson uh in a sexual manner. And Patrolman AC Benson turns him and says, What the hell? He's got the full dress on. Okay, what the he looks like a nineteen forties wife. What the hell do you think you're doing? And the sergeant Mal Griffin's like, You heard the captain. And he's starting to laugh. He's, he's really busting patrolman Benson's balls in this moment. You heard the captain. We're supposed to make this look good. Now we're supposed to be lovers. I might get a little loving before the night's over. And Benson's like, watch that hand. Griffin touches him again. And he's a like, man. What the hell's wrong with you? And Griffin starts laughing. And he says, watch the hand. And Mal Griffin indicating Benson's fake breasts. What I what I can't understand is how come that one he's pointing to the fake press, how come that one's bigger than this one? Considerably.
1: <laughs> it's not even just just like slightly. Uh-huh. It's really just
0: And then Benson comes back. I like to know what difference it makes. You think I'm gonna let the son of a bitch come in and fawn one before I blow his head off? <laughs> so that, that was a moment of levity um in this. Carrie, what about you?
1: So I really liked captain jd morales you just got two speeds on this thing wide open and stop
0: it's a question though yeah he's like you just got two speeds on this thing wide open and stop yeah No. moving right along we're breezing through this episode carrie what about favorite death or effects
1: i, I kind of have two okay but Really, I just want to say the one that really shocked me first was to see the first victim alive, crawling and seeing her bloodied for that time. I I mean, I thought for the time of the movie, it, it was pretty graphic for back then. I mean, I really want to say. And then just that eeriness of her, you know, hailing down somebody to help her and the fact that she did survive. Hmm but she doesn't remember anything. And then the attack on that one house where he follows the woman home and he's standing outside the window and the wife is talking to the husband and as she's having the conversation, he comes from behind the window while he's reading the paper and he shoots him from behind in the window. Yeah. That was a a pretty gnarly scene.
0: No, that is. Um, I'm going to have to go the one I think that it's the first one that comes to mind because of how bizarre it is. It was such a drawn out kill. It was one of the, it was them portraying the double murder. It was such an odd, it was a very phallic sexual kill. Yeah. Him attaching the blade to the end of the trombone and penetrating with her every time he extends the trombone. It was so weird. I've never seen anything like it in any other movie. It's so...
1: Masochistic?
0: Sadistic. Um, Yeah. It just... And the way that his eyes would bulge whenever he was getting enjoyment from hitting her with that trombone blade... um, Strange very strange Carrie what are you rating The Town the Dreaded Sundown
1: Okay so I'm rating this a three and a half Out of five That's a
0: pretty good score for this movie
1: And like for me this movie it felt like I was watching A combination of two movies Yeah A combination of Zodiac Mm Mm-hmm and a combination of Dragnet, yeah. That so is
0: is Dragnet a movie that you would pair with this? Yeah, that's so strange given how comedic that is, but there is that Andy Griffith element to this movie, um, and Dragnet obviously with the detective work with the comedy mix. Then I, I totally get it. And yeah, Zodiac is one I would pair with this too. I'll tell you what, too, I would probably, I could probably watch Manhunter or Silence of the one. Lambs with this movie too. It would be quite manhunter would work better for me
1: the names is a little it's heavy it's too
0: it's such a juxtaposition with this movie it's so funny because you're dealing with serial killers in both but that one that's why i think manhunter is a little that one's pretty serious too but it's at least it's got the 80s flair that might yeah. pair up well with the 70s offbeatness of this movie but anyways, guys, yeah, I, I have to agree with you. I, it gets a three and a half out of five. For me, that means the um, overall DFM rating for The Town the Dreaded Sundown is, yep, that was easy, wasn't it? Yeah. Three and a half out of five flamethrowers. So, guys, we've only got five episodes left for our first season here at Dime for Midnight. Thank you again for all of our loyal listeners, the ones that have been with us since the beginning and the ones that were just joining us recently um had a really successful november so far so yeah. thank you just a friendly reminder you can find us we've got <clears throat> dime for midnight podcast is on facebook we've got a small little community there but we've got um i would say a lot going on at twitter on a weekly basis um you can find us at dfm mail that's two m's on twitter well Elon Musk's X is now what I should be calling it. Yeah. And um, we're also the same handle over at Instagram. And um, you can check out every week the benefit of, of checking us out. Is sometimes we'll put some personal stuff up there. Um, most of the time what we want to do on our socials is just let you know a little bit about either the day before or the weekend of the episode comes out. Give you, <clears throat> excuse me, between like a 30-second to three-minute preview with our audiogram so you can get a kind of taste of what we're going to be talking about before you dive into a full episode and um yeah episode 41 next week it's already thanksgiving week next week here 2023 um we've got episode 41 it is our black friday special uh episode 42 to start off december we've got gremlins episode 43 black christmas episode 44 1215 dead end episode 45 to end season one. We've got a newer hammer entry and um, the lodge. I'm very excited. Yeah. 1222 to finish out the season. Then we'll, we'll take our uh, hiatus for the remainder of the holidays and um, for all of January. Um, Last week, I forgot to uh, mention again that we do have a tip jar tip top jar. If you go to, um or any of our social handles You'll see our link train link if you go there if you like what you guys are listening um, We definitely would appreciate it. no tip is too small any amount would be appreciated it would be really helpful So we can keep doing this we are happy to say again. We are coming back for season two um, Last week. I, I also forgot to mention some season two teasers now next week our our Black Friday special we are going to be posting on all of our socials the season two guide and um, I'll just go through and do some random teasers right now without giving anything away the name of the movie. Um, we are going to kick off season two with multiple Canadian tax shelter films. <laughs> <laughs> and no, that's not a fan. You all know we like to do like themed months, but I spared you even though it kind of technically is a theme Okay technically month. is. Okay, for February, February 2nd, mark your calendars. Um, join us again for season two uh pardon me we've got in march i'll just say this we've got jennifer aniston in a horror movie we've got another werewolf film uh and, and we've already talked about the howling in american werewolf in london so that's one we're doing an argento film we're doing a found footage film uh we have a new month a new themed month that we have not done before in may um we've got another t west movie okay uh in june of course beach party bonfires and blood month is returning part two yeah we've got four beach theme horrors there (laughs) some iconic beach horror ones and some other ones that are like oh i don't know if i've seen this um we've got At the end of August, a couple of back-to-school horror movies. September, we're focusing on slashers with another slasher franchise that we haven't talked about yet. And it's not Halloween. We've got, of course, next October, which, like I said the other week, it feels like forever away now. Um, We've got two anthologies and Halloween 258366 part 2. Okay. And then next year is hungry for the holidays. We're in the middle of one now, but next year's we've got we did Grindhouse. Okay. We've got another Rodriguez movie. We've got hmm. Maybe Jason Returns next season. Maybe we've got some Hammer movies maybe maybe that's all for now guys see you for uh segment two or etc we're actually going to talk about another serial killer real life serial killer and the 2007 david fitchner movie zodiac <clears throat> just remember dear listener tex today still looks pretty much the same and if you should ask people on the street what they believe happened to the phantom killer most would say that he is still living here and is walking free. See you for segment two.
2: They called her the little girl who lives down the lane. All alone in that big house. Who was she? And what was her secret? A lot of people wondered. Like Mario the local comedian. Somebody's out there. Officer Miglioretti, the local cop. I don't believe what you've been telling me about your father.
1: You're a very pretty girl, you know that? Pretty eyes. Frank Hallett,
2: the local creep. And nasty Mrs. Hallett, the local gossip.
1: Mrs. Hallett, I'm warning you! I want to know what's been happening here in this house. I wanna know what happened here today! I think I should warn you that the police are watching our house right this very minute, Mr. Hallett. Aren't you scared? Of what? Of being alone. You don't wanna know about us. I never knew how much I needed you. Now listen to me, young lady. I know you're up to something. Go in that study, Mrs. Hallett, and I tell my father about your son. I even had to ask him why the police don't do anything about it. Why should they do anything? When your son gives candy to pretty little girls.
2: Academy Award nominee, Jodie Foster, Martin Sheen, Alexis Smith. little girl who lives down the lane
0: okay guys we are back for segment two horror, etc appreciate you listening in as we talked about the town that dreaded sundown we are now here to talk about david fitchner's 2007 zodiac now carrie what's the first thing that you think of whenever you think of this zodiac movie
1: i mean you think of san francisco You think of Paul Avery, the columnist, and, I mean, you think of all the characters, all all the cast that plays. I mean, it's a fantastic cast.
0: Jake Gyllenhaal, Robert Downey Jr., Mark Mark Ruffalo. Ruffalo, Anthony Edwards, even. Brian Cox in a small role. John John Carroll Lynch as Arthur Lee Allen. Yeah. Okay, I mean, here's the other thing, too you know what's really weird one of the victims is what is her name Savini. Chloe Savini Chloe Savini yeah and not no that's not Tom Savini this is Savini with a Frenchy GNY um I mean you even have a small role by Dermot Mulroney Captain Marty Lee yeah which is kind of funny now yeah. that we saw Scream 6 that he was yeah. in another cop role
1: that that was <clears throat>
0: no spoilers yes yeah, sorry um
1: <laughs> you, knew where you know what going. we didn't do
0: a spoiler heads up at all this episode we completely forgot to give people a spoiler warning i think people that are down think, yeah down for us at episode 40 they know the gist but um no jake gyllenhaal as robert graysmith and i think that's really important to note <clears throat> that this movie is not i'm going to th- throw down and say it's not anywhere near as accurate. And I'm not saying the town that dreaded sundown is hundred percent accurate. It's not. Um, I think in a movie that you're dealing with a serial killer that for all intents and purposes gets away with it. Um, you'd like to think that maybe something terrible, excuse me, happened to the killer or that for the victims and the victim's family's sake that they were, brought to justice and identified that part hasn't happened, unfortunately, but it's important that we know Jake Gyllenhaal is playing Robert Graysmith. And when you watch Zodiac 2007, you've got to know that this is through Robert Graysmith's perspective. Mm -hmm. Um, We're not going to get into like the careers of Robert Graysmith or Paul Avery, anybody that's into true detective serial killer cases, off the top of their head could rattle off a few main points about each of these guys as it relates to their real life jobs. Um, Robert Downey Jr. in this movie is phenomenal. Um, This is the role that happens for Robert Downey Jr. right before he does Tony Stark and Iron Man. And I will never forget when we saw this movie, is when they just started putting out the trailer for iron man mm-hmm. <clears throat> there was no marvel verse yet no there was no thanos there was no multiverse there was none of that there was no they, ev- the thought of they, doing an avengers, avengers movie, movie it's like no nobody does that you do one superhero at a time and to see robert downey jr here just right before he's about to become a friggin' probably billionaire um it's so cool to see him in one last role before he explodes. And this is the one that kind of like, this one's kind of like, yes, Tony Stark brought back, well, made Robert Downey Jr. bigger than he ever was. But when we were watching this, we saw the trailer for Iron Man. I said, I said, oh my God, why are they doing such a, like there's Batman and there's Superman. Who cares about Iron Man? That's not as big of a character, you know? Well, (laughs) Mm-hmm. then you heard like you've got to see robert downey jr in iron man and the rest of this history but and to see him here right before he gets big is a neat little
1: treat and even zombie toots he loves iron man he he loves you're
0: about to say robert downey jr loves zombie toots I'm like is there something you need to tell me about no did tony Stark come here and recruit our son for something
1: oh I my wish. goodness <laughs> he wishes too he wishes oh my goodness <laughs> sometimes you need to snap that kid back into reality yeah, yeah. no you are not an avenger mm. that is wasteful
0: oh, screw the spilling wine being wasteful i just spilled it on my damn shirt you need to fix this woman i will fix it <laughs> Did you see how still. i said that that was kind of toxic <laughs> you need to fix this woman Listen, we divide up the responsibilities divide in the house. Conquer. Yeah, some of us take a bigger chunk of responsibilities than <laughs> others. <clears throat> just joking with you, but not. Um Anthony Edwards, I wish he had a bigger career. I always liked him and everything that he's done. He was always just like a small side role guy though.
1: Yeah.
0: Uh dude, Mark Ruffalo.
1: Another who Avenger.
0: The, who the hell would have thought uh and we've got a Spider-Man villain now that yeah. came from this movie in Jake yeah. all. A very important Spider-Man villain, I would argue, is probably the biggest one because he exposes is Peter Parker's Parker identity. Yep. And he it causes the events of No Way Home, which was a ridiculous, amazing movie. The fact that they brought all Spider-Mans together in <sighs> one movie. Listen.
1: We were geeking out. Listen, it's my <laughs> turn. No,
0: nope, it's my turn to hit this thing. assemble <laughs> <laughs>
1: this is not an avenger pod
0: yeah look the height of my marvel geekdom pretty much died with endgame it's not been the same since yeah. although in technically no way home
1: was after
0: was after and here we go again <laughs> oh shit there goes the computer um But no, it's important to note that we're looking at this movie through the eyes of Robert Graysmith and the investigative journalism work and true detective work um, that he did. So this movie, to me, Carrie, is like the 2013 movie, also with Jake Gyllenhaal, Mm -hmm. Prisoners, Mm -hmm. in that it is not a horror movie. It is horror adjacent. It scares. Forget about factual, you know, being 100% correct. Forget about the slant. Forget about the Fitchner wanted to, it to come through his eyes. It, It's unnerving. The basement scene scares the shit out of me. Um, just there's a, an uneasiness. Yeah throughout this entire film. Um, You are in a city in which anybody could be the killer. Mm -hmm. Most likely white male between the age of 20-something and 40-something. Okay, whatever that usual demographic is that we hear again and again in these cases. Um, When that Hurdy-Gurdy Man song comes on to start this movie, I mean, that song... I have heard that before, but when you pair it up with what just happened, it makes me want to look over my shoulder. (laughs) This movie.
1: It creeps you out.
0: It really creeps me out. It's really a creepy movie.
1: You want to talk about atmosphere.
0: Oh, my God. How about any time that Robert Graysmith is alone with any of these People who are connected to suspects, Mm -hmm. or how about when Tashi is sitting there interviewing John Carroll Lynch's Arthur Lee Allen? Yeah, and they're sitting down where he works and they notice the zodiac symbol on his watch and they're all looking at each Uh other. Now, this movie is accompanied by a documentary that everybody should watch. It was on the DVD, it's up, the whole documentary is on YouTube. Um, I'm paraphrasing they call him Arthur Lee Allen but the movie wants you to focus on Arthur Lee Allen being the main suspect there's a lot of things Mm -hmm. that make you say oh my god this guy and yeah we all know he was a pedo but you've got to know that there's so many other um, suspects that have emerged Mm -hmm. over time
1: the handwriting was a big issue
0: Look, we've got, even as recently as 2021, we had this ga- this um, team of cold case investigators came up with a new name we never even heard about, Gary Francis Post. Mm-hmm. That was just two years ago.
1: Yeah, because they've been working on deciphering <clears throat> that code.
0: Well, no, that was something different. Okay. That was something different. So um, this Gary Francis Post guy had been investigated apparently there was a TV news anchor um, who had suspected this Gary Francis Post guy. Um, There's been renewed interest as far well as recently as May 2023 in this Gary Francis Post. So guys, if it's been a while since you've been checking up on Zodiac, number one, do yourself a favor, stay clear of the Zodiac Killer Board message board on uh, Reddit. It's it's so toxic, just don't bother. It's not worth it. It's a great library of speculation, but that's pretty much it. I know they have links to legitimate sources and people that knew so-and-so and whatever, but um, <clears throat> really, if you haven't, read up on Gary Francis' post. It's, it's pretty interesting. Um <clears throat> There is another guy who actually, Rick Marshall, Mm -hmm. is the one that he goes down into the uh, basement basement
1: with all the posters and memorabilia. Exactly.
0: Um, So the other thing is, too, Lawrence Kane. A couple people who were abducted by the Zodiac Keller picked Lawrence Kane in a photo lineup. Um, the thing is Lawrence Kane suffered from brain injuries and, an a impulse control disorder in 1962 after an accident, he was arrested for voyeurism and prowling, um, part of a solution. One of the ciphers has, my name is Kane. Um, we could go on and on. There's Louis Joseph Myers, who um, confessed to his friend on his deathbed that he was Zodiac. There was the um, Sherry Jo Bates Riverside City College murders, where there was the, the student that said was bothering her at the library, Ross Sullivan, who looks a lot like the police sketch. Um, here's a suspect that always creeped me out. In the early 60s, I'm talking like 1960 or 61. There is a cabbie murder, and I'm not talking about the main mm-hmm. one that everybody knows yeah. in the late 60s that, that our main man Toshi was, was on, or Toski, or however you pronounce that. There was another cabbie murder in the early 60s, and yeah. it had some signs of the Zodiac. In that same area, there was a guy, a character that only people described him, that they would go around doing these terrible things, committing these crimes with this guy, and they called him Sandy and he looks like a younger version of the zodiac sketch Hmm. and two sweethearts went down for a stroll on the beach got killed by this guy tried burning up their bodies in a shack left some things there that had similar signs of the zodiac um and that was in the same area where this they never found this sand they only got the first name sandy and it's that sketch, you guys, if you see, if you Google Sandy and Zodiac, it's this um, guy who's like the sketch is like him holding a Zodiac and he's got the glasses. And, uh, you know, look, 1960s, every dude had those thick glasses, right? Yeah. So there wasn't many deal.
1: choices. There was not, <laughs> yeah. there wasn't much that you could identify with as far as glasses. I mean, glasses were thick. Back then that was the
0: Yeah, that was the look.
1: That was the look, and it's because that's how they were made.
0: Here's what's wild to me. Like some people have the um some people have the uh idea that maybe it was somebody from the Manson family that did these killings. Um I think that's a little far fetched. Um they, apparently the Manson family members have been already investigated and eliminated as Zodiac suspects then even people thought that Ted Kaczynski the Unabomber maybe was the Zodiac killer at one point then there's people who are saying that the Texarkana killer and the Zodiac were the same damn killer Mm, that I don't believe that's very far fetched to me I would believe that Ted Bundy is the Zodiac before I would at least I didn't say Al Bundy Yeah. (laughs) so anyways what are some other elements Carrie of um, the 2007 Zodiac movie that you love
1: well, I, I love just the the jumping in the the detective becoming obsessed and then you have the family element mixed in of real life connection you have grace of his family I mean he met someone fell in love with someone got married with someone over the salute thing and then it comes back to haunt him where he's getting those phone calls
0: yeah. So you're just you're just talking within the context yes. of the movie. Yes. Yeah. Gotcha.
1: Yeah. I mean. Hmm. Okay. You you don't get that in some of these movies like that.
0: How about when Graysmith, Smith, Jillian character, he's doing all the investigation. He's starting to get weird calls mm-hmm. in the apartment. That's and what his I was wife. just saying. Yeah. 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 But that no. But the the wife like having to take the kids away. Yeah. Just creep creeped me out
1: yeah he's like he tells her get out yeah he's like for your own safety he's like i'll let you know and i think that's the same time period where he goes to rick marshall
0: yeah he's like truly alone yeah which that kind of creeps me out thinking about that too like
1: and then rick marshall says something about that he did the writing how about
0: the start of covid down the road from us when there was that attempted abduction and we started seeing guys walking around we never saw before that was strange. That
1: was real strange.
0: Luckily. I, I will to tell you, there was probably about a two week period where I, because of everything going on with COVID and that those attempted abductions down the road, mm-hmm. I stayed up for a while. I had yeah. a hard time going to bed. I'm like, I even, I even remember sitting out in the garage, looking out the back garage door for a while. Like I, that, that freaks me out.
1: The kids weren't allowed out unless we were there.
0: Yep. Well, they
1: were also only in kindergarten yeah. at the
0: time. I mean, we would let them go out and run around the yard now,
1: but, but it wouldn't be for
0: hours on end no. by themselves. But um, who I'm getting the willies now. Yeah. Um, so here's the us coming from a journalism background. Here's the other element that always fascinated me was newspapers at that time. And the inner workings of the San Francisco Chronicle and a lot of big city newspapers, I'm sure, at the time, the inner workings of the politics and the ass kissing yeah. that goes on to get featured to be the one to be put mm-hmm. onto the big story. Um I, I mean Robert Graysmith in this movie is just a cartoonist at yeah. this point. Yeah. And you've got Paul Avery who's like oh. By the way, guys Google this, Paul Avery to the same college as some of the suspects.
1: Hmm.
0: Isn't that weird? That is weird. Now, granted, that's like saying... Coincidence. That, that's, like saying, that's like saying, oh, Brian Koberger, the Idaho 4 murders. Like, Ugh. oh, he he's, lives in Pennsylvania, and I'm just making this up. He did not go to Penn State. But that's like saying, ooh, the murder... Like, the murders happened to Penn State, and the killer went to Penn State. It's like, yeah, ew, yeah. that's a big college. It's pro- the probability of that is probably fairly high. Um, but still, it's like, it's a little weird that um there's all these little weird coincidences in this zodiac case Carrie, what is what's the kill that disturbs you the most from let's just i know we're talking about real people so let's just talk about with then the way they shot the kills in this movie what was your the one that really got to you
1: i i have to say it's it's the opening kill the, the lovers lane the kill the lovers lane kill and we're um, what's his name? How about they keep turning around and looking yeah. back? Like, and the she guys keeps, she keeps looking them. and she's just like, what are you, what are you looking at? She's like,
0: well, no, well she, she even says, don't worry about it yeah. at one point. Yeah. Um, she she's definitely just, nods. She's
1: um, like, I have, I have, yeah. Darlene and,
0: and Michael are in the car there. Yeah.
1: She's um, like, oh, he won't bother us. Yeah. Yeah.
0: That's the freaky part. <laughs> yeah.
1: She's like, he won't bother us.
0: Um, there's even, by the way, a little side note, there's even a guy right now who's claiming or he's been claiming for a few years now that the, um, Zodiac killer is actually, um, the escapees from Alcatraz. That's interesting. I'm not going to sit here and question the validity of it or say that he's, I mean, I, that we're, this is all speculation and all we can do is sit there and talk about the either the movie through one lens or the actual case stuff as it happened from you know an outsider's point of view, but um, yeah, no, <clears throat> that one and in real life, Mike Majo, who's the boy, mm-hmm. man, the young man in that car in the beginning, he was so I mean he got shot up to hell. We're not just talking somebody that evaded. It. I mean he almost died. Darlene Farron did Mike Mageau did not <clears throat> and he's so you can imagine like they're t- they're they're talking about the validity or the reliability of his testimony, but the PTSD Has to have I mean he's even mentioned this fucked him up so bad. Yeah, that I Mean, that's a nightmare. He's got to relive again and again and again and It's no wonder he can't keep it straight
1: well, who could? I mean, and it's not like they and took great records. And maybe your Greek body's records. trying
0: to forget it too. Your body, your body goes into survival mode yeah. and tries to block some of that out too. Yeah. And to try to relive that and retell it again and again for people and vultures that just want to make a story out of it to get ahead—that makes me sick too. But um, <clears throat> I I'm gonna go with the Lake Berryessa kill. Uh, the, the this is the the one time that we've got. A survivor, another guy survivor, by the way, MO <clears throat> that um you think Zodiac's got something against women? Oh uh, uh, yeah. yeah, he so, wants to punish them. And um the killer's dressed up in his full black garb and he's says some really interesting things to that survivor. Like, hey, you know, gonna be heading down to Mexico uh, just escaped or i think he says something about a montana pr- prison that he was just at but the fact that he gets them to tie themselves up to help him you know lay face down and they're pleading with him and he just has got that big old knife yeah um the accounts from the people that were at that park that day seeing a guy off in a more wooded area from the distance just really bothers me the fact that he was there probably planning this for a little while too for watching them
1: hours or even days yeah
0: watching them watching people's moves somebody out there you might have been the intended target and he just decided to go with somebody else it's weird Mm -hmm. it's all very strange but that's the one that that gets me the one that the ones that really get me are people that have been killed and it probably was zodiac and they were not attributed to him the unknowns out there that's what freaks me out more than anything i think so uh inspector tashi by rough play by Ruffalo, I, I think he's it's a great performance here um i feel bad it feels like a dead end for him wherever he goes he can never it feels like one, <laughs> excuse me two steps forward one step back and then eventually like his superiors are like, look, there's a lot more crime going on just than the Zodiac. You got to get off of this. Yeah. And so he's feeding information to Graysmith that goes to, from, hey, we can't keep putting all of our resources into one killer. this is what we have. This is what we have. Yeah. And he's like, I can't. He's like, he'll say something like, here's this person, but you didn't hear that from me. Whereas mm-hmm. you might, if I were to do it, I would check this out. But if you tell him, if you say that I'm the one that told you that, I'm going to deny. deny Yeah. yeah. So I thought that was a neat little element. How about even Anthony Edwards' character, Carrie, where he eventually has to step away from Ruffalo's character? Mm -hmm. And if that was me, I would have to even just... I'd be so freaked out by a case like this. Maybe that's why I would never be a cop. But um, here's another actor in this movie that I wanted to know. Was uh, Elias... What is it? Cotillas? Mm -hmm. Um, He was excellent. And we all know him as uh, Casey from Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. (laughs) But Sergeant uh, Sergeant, uh, Jack Mullinax, when he teamed up with Toshi and uh, Armstrong doing the uh, interrogation of Arthur Lee Allen, and it was one of the few moments that you understood the hoops. Like even Captain Ken Narlo played by Donald Logue. Yeah, like the hoops that people had to jump through just to get different police precincts and jurisdictions to even just give each other information. Well, yeah, it's they, so funny to me how none of them work together. They were now, all now, separately it's working. Like, now it's now it's all it's like interconnected. You don't, yeah, you don't kind of don't have a choice because everything's in the database. And like, dude, this is like if you don't give me this information, you're basically you're gonna get chick canned for it or caught on it. Yeah, exactly. Like, there's no way. Anymore, like, and people are more willing to work together nowadays, say what you will. But, um, imagine going through criminal law and a whole class about the mistakes that were made on cases like these because they haven't come across a killer like this before, or they never had to work across multiple jurisdictions before. I mean, the 60s and 70s and the time of the serial killer, that's like all new territory for some of yeah. these cops at the time.
1: Well, and then the whole preserving of evidence oh and new God. evidence and, <clears throat> you know, you have, you know, years to wait. So, one of the main it. reasons
0: Z- Zodiac hasn't been caught. I mean, there's rumors that he's related to somebody high up and so they suppress the evidence so he wouldn't get caught. I can't sit here and say 100% doubt that. That's a pot. I feel like when it's not solved, you can't rule out anything.
1: No until you you actually get the results like you do eventually someday
0: hey look i i've got faith i've got faith they're gonna figure it out a lot of people are like no it's way past we're never gonna figure it out there's not enough good enough of dna i think eventually somebody's gonna stumble upon something somebody's got a weapon hidden in their basement or something like that yeah but um man before i really freak myself out here (laughs) listen guys that does it for horror etc episode 40 thank you for listening we talked the town the dreaded sundown and finchner's 07 zodiac killer next week black friday special when there's no more room in hell the dead will walk the earth love you guys peace out